Well, good morning.、Uh, this morning we have a special tribute for media insultant. You know, last week we had a pioneer in the radio media landscape die. His name was Ralph Guild. He died at the age of ninety-three, which I think goes to say that being in the radio business can be kind of life-giving. And today we wanted to celebrate his life with a couple of anecdotal stories from Erica Farber, the former publisher of Radio and Records, now head of the RAB. And before that, she spent years working with Ralph at what was known as Interrep, which was the large holding corporation for all of his radio rep firms. They built Interrep into a very innovative and powerful national firm. So, good morning. With our opinions, comments, and this morning a tribute. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, Washington. My co-host is Keith Samuels in the little letter box up in the corner. He's down in Southern California, and we'd like to welcome you to the Tuesday, November ninth issue of Media Insultant. When we got word that Ralph Guild had died, I realized he dropped out of sight for quite a few years. So Keith and I thought a tribute from someone who worked with him for years, who was a good storyteller, would be a great guest to have on Media Insultant. And Keith immediately came up with who? Erica Farber. And、uh, Erica is the、uh, is the is the.、Uh, we think you and I agree on this that probably the, the one of the greatest.、Uh, Uh, people to ever run the Radio Advertising Bureau, which is the Radio Trade Association, if you will. It's kind of the radio counterpart to the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, which is heavily focused on television issues. And she's fantastic. She's a great storyteller. But more importantly, she went to work for Ralph,、um, you know, way back in the day. So if any, if, you know, if to our audience that were part of our business in the '70s,、um, and I mean the whole '70s. Uh, the '80s and even into the '90s and, and the aughts,、um, you know, Ralph Guild was a giant in our business because Ralph built this this national representative sales firm for radio stations, where first started with McGavern Guild and then you know then built other firms into what they called the Interrep Radio Store, and and this was a company that that would represent stations that you and I worked for in markets where we weren't. Uh, present as a sales organization, so they became a national rep firm in New York and Chicago and L.A. for stations not in New York, L.A. and Chicago. So、um, you know, and 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 really was innovative, and and you know, there are people that love Ralph, there are people that didn't like Ralph,、uh, and it and it, but we wanted to find someone who could speak to what was really great about Ralph,、um, and、uh, and there was no better person to do that than Erica. She's she's you know worked for everybody, she's known everybody in our business. She's got a great sense of humor, and、uh, and I, I'm honored that that she was able to join us for a few minutes and and share her thoughts and experiences about working for Ralph and and McGavern Gill. In fact, going to work for Ralph, she tells the story of you know when she first started. So it's time well spent for anybody in radio, let alone you know us boomers that were around back in the '70s and '80s. So here's our discussion with Erica Farber. Erica, the interesting thing about a guy like Ralph Guild is that, in hindsight, well, certainly at this point in time when people are commemorating his life, they say he was a visionary, and visionary is to me kind of like being tall, dark, and handsome. It's something that can apply to a lot of people, but may not really be very true. My question to you is, why would you say Ralph was such a visionary? 
I'm going to answer that with a story, Perfect. which tells you the character of him. I certainly knew of Ralph in the business, but I didn't know him well. And in 1980, at the beginning of the year, uh, my employment had been terminated with RKO. Hmm. And the next month, I was involved uh, on a panel, and it was on the weekend, and it was involving uh, students, college students. And Ralph was on the same session with me. And Ralph said, well, what are you doing? And I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And he said, well, why don't you come talk to me? I said, I'd love to. So literally the next week, I went to talk with Ralph. Now, you have to understand, I'd only been on the local side. And back then, admittedly, for those of us who worked in local radio, we thought the national reps didn't work very hard. You know, it was like, oh, it's a rep. What does the rep know? We at the local station know everything. Um, but I had a great deal of respect for Ralph, and I went to talk to him, and he said, um, you know, have you ever thought about being in the rep business? I said, absolutely not. He said, I tell you what, I want you to visit a couple of my offices. Go talk to the managers, and then you ask questions about our business, and then you come back and tell me what you learned about this company. I'm like, great. And at the time, um, for some people who were in the industry back then, their head of research was a woman by the name of Ellen Huleberg, who was one of my idols back then, adored Ellen. So I was so excited to call her and spend some time with her. So I spent time in New York. I think I went to Boston. I might have gone to Chicago. I don't really remember what cities, but long story short, I came back to Ralph and I said, well, there's a couple of areas I think your company should think about. And I said, but two of them, I'm not qualified, but I see this as an opportunity for you. And I said, but you know, the one thing the rep business isn't doing, they're doing nothing about new business, really doing new business. And he said, great. You're hired. <laughs> and you're going to do new business. And I, and I said, what are you talking about? He said, just, we will pay you what you were making. You can start tomorrow and let's just figure it out. Now, if you think about that, here was someone who, well, first of all, he could make a decision on his own, but here was someone who was open to say, well, let's try something. And he could not have supported me any more than if I had been within that company and moved up. So he instantly opened the doors to me. And again, he had this amazing group of talent, but you don't hear about things like that very often in our business. So that's no, one that's example. A, that's, a, that's a fabulous story. And uh, you know, along the same line with the visionary portion of his career, the concept of putting multiple rep firms under one umbrella, how was that greeted by the market at the time? Well, I'll tell you how that happened. Ralph bought this home. Um, Ralph's wife, Calla, was a decorator. And I should say, she may still be, but 
very talented woman, and he bought this unbelievable house in an area called Tuxedo, New York, which was a couple of hours outside of New York City. And he literally turned this magnificent old castle that was almost dilapidated. He turned it into this beautiful home, but to have meetings. And so um, Interrupt was an ESOP, so it was an employee-owned company. And there was an executive committee. Now, I was not formally on the executive committee, but when they had meetings, they always invited me to attend these meetings. And we would go up there to strategize. And the idea of representing multiple companies came out of a strategy meeting that we had in Tuxedo. Because when we were thinking, how do we grow the business? Obviously, you grow the business organically just by having more advertisers. But at the same time, if you could represent more radio stations, how could we do that? And that literally was born out of a long, several-day brainstorming. And, you know, we came back. And I remember at the time, there was a company, Blair, which back then was a large rep firm. Well, when Ralph, um, when the plan was being put together and they were going to start the first second, and that's when Interrep was born because it was McGavern Guild only yeah. at that point, Blair took us to the Federal Trade Commission. Well, they first took us to the FCC, and the FCC said, well, we have no say over a rep company, and then they took it to the Federal Trade Commission. Wow, I didn't know that. To fight it. Wow. Oh, yeah, and it was a very controversial back then and you know again you know here's cats today who's this unbelievable strong company well cats was number two back then and so again here was this vision and he's he started you know the that other company jeff smullion was one of the first broadcasters to come on with wfan in new york And uh, there were several other companies. So at first, the broadcasters were like, wait a minute, I don't know how this is going to work. And can you really separate that? And, and as it started to grow, it really grew a whole other opportunity where the unwired networks came into yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. So that, and it wasn't, you know, initially unwired networks were just as controversial because people thought, well, that's going to dilute the cost per spot buying national spot advertising. But our whole thing was, well, how do we compete with network radio? And if we can come up with a way to sell inventory for local stations that's not discounting your rates, who wouldn't participate? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, it was controversial, but it was an exciting time to be in the rep business. Yeah, yeah. Keith, go ahead. You, know, no, you had a question. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. Because I remember back prior to that, you know, you had it was almost like prior to consolidation on the station side, but this was prior to consolidation on the rep side because you did have all these independent rep firms. You had, you had Cats, you had Eastman, you had Blair, you had Bernard Torben, Howard, Torbett. Yes, mean, Torben, yeah. There were almost, I think, twenty-eight or thirty unique, viable national rep firms back then. So, so is is the legacy of Ralph Guild then this this the the way that we are now structured in, in in the national side of the radio sales business, that all really started with all you guys up in Tuxedo, but under Ralph's overview and because it wouldn't have happened otherwise probably. 
at least not in that fashion. Probably not in that fashion, but Ralph should get a tremendous amount of credit um, for motivating his team to think out of the mm. box. And the thing with Ralph, another thing that really separated Ralph as a leader, if Ralph liked the idea, it was done. <laughs> It wasn't, well, let's wait, let's do the numbers. You know, you have this idea and nine months later, you're still talking about it and talking about it. No. When Ralph believed in something, it was full steam ahead. You know, we all have uh, our, our favorite uh, Ralph stories. Uh, I didn't know him certainly as well as you did, but I'm curious, do you have a favorite Ralph story? You know, I, I again, I think, I, I will say as a female, and not to the exclusion of men, but I think if Ralph really had his way, he would have only had women in his company. <laughs> he uh, was a huge supporter of women. I, th I think another thing that really separated Ralph, he was almost pixie-ish in his own way. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a guy, he wasn't into sports, he wasn't an athlete, he wasn't like the guy's guy. So, so he was the opposite of Bob uh, McCurdy. Right. <laughs> he really, yeah. And but he loved to tap dance. And you know, I how many people, you know, the big executive, you walk out of their office, they have their boardroom and a big conference room. Not Ralph. Ralph literally had built a dance studio next to his office. And he had a guy uh, oh, I can't think of Bob's last name. But Bob had been a choreographer on Broadway. And Bob would come to the office and give tap lessons <laughs> in the office for Ralph. And some of us, every now and then, would jump in and have a tap class. But, you know, how many people work for a guy like that? <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a great story. And, you know, it's, yeah. you know we, we do our best not to be, you know, boomers who ache for the old days. But it's hard to have people like that in organizations today because everything's corporately owned. Stock price is all that counts. And, you know, it, and it's the evolution of everything. Even the radio business, TV business, TV and radio stations used to be owned by really entrepreneurial, you know, hands-on kind of people. And that just, you know, that has gone away. And, and I think you could argue most businesses, most industries mature that way. It's just kind of the way yeah. it is. So well, can can I tell can I tell my uh, my Ralph story? And I'd love Erica's comment on this. Is oh, that, I love is it. that uh, when I was the president of the Puget Sound Radio Broadcasters Association? This was back in like ninety ninety one. I was twelve at the time. <laughs> Jackson was fifteen. Well, it was before I was president. Actually, I was vice president. And as vice president of these associations, Erica, you know, you have to. You're the one who has to go out and get speakers for the monthly luncheons or the semi monthly luncheons. And that was my job. And, and I don't know how it all worked out, but I think with a big assist from Denton Holmes, and the, who was the McGavern rep in Seattle, we, we got Ralph to come out and speak to our association. And, and, then, and part of my duties was is that I had to promote it, but then I also got to inter, introduce the speaker and then hope the speaker delivered and was terrific. So it was a double honor. One was is that it, I mean, it was amazing prepping for that and, inter, and introducing Ralph to one of the biggest crowds we'd ever assembled for this association luncheon. 
And the second part was he was unbelievably terrific. He, he, he was just a, he enraptured the room for over an hour. Like I've never heard radio guys do quite as well. I hope that wasn't a fluke. It definitely wasn't. And I think, you know, you certainly heard Ralph. You know, one of the things about Ralph that I think is so charming about him, and, and don't get me wrong, if Ralph, you know, wanted to get something done, he could be firm. But Ralph wasn't a polished speaker. He was just this approachable, sort of Natalie-dressed guy. He wasn't slick. You know, he wasn't like, here's this hard handshake and how do you do? It was almost like um, your uncle or... A family member because he was so genuine and real and he was pretty much an open book you knew mm-hmm. you know he would just talk to you and I think that's a gift in itself well he, he spoke to us just like that that day and it was it was it was remarkable and and it was my one opportunity to have met Ralph and and and, and spend the lunch with him and uh, I'll forever be grateful for that opportunity well, we could probably go on for the next six hours, but we, we do have a format here. You know, we do have a wheel. So, Erica, <laughs> thank you for uh, taking a couple of minutes to uh, do this with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we've all been blessed by Ralph, and we just hope that uh, he and his family find some consolation in the fact that he impressed so many people for so long. So, God bless Ralph and RIP, as they would say. Well, it's my pleasure, and and it's wonderful to be with both of you. Thanks, Erica. This was a special edition of Media Insultant, and we'd really like to thank Erica Farber for sharing her stories and memories of the late Ralph Guild. Thursday, Keith, we get back into a more normal format, as normal as you and I ever get. (laughs) We're going to ask, what are some of the realities behind the Q3 financial results in the media sector? Because everybody's all buzzing about how great they did. We'll talk about that. Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. We do contract interim management for more than 20 years, and we welcome any comments at Jackson at InTown Media. Keith, till Thursday. See you then, Jackson. Quick on the uptake, you are. <laughs>